Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Hey, now, it is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for the Daily Signal, is in. That's right. We got a little action scheduled for this afternoon on Monument Circle, Tonus. The pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, Black Lives Matter-backed group is going to be out on Monument Circle around 5.30 this afternoon. You mean the same Black Lives Matter chapter that, that got up in, in front of the whole world the other day and, and said that uh, the Israel occupation is this white supremacist movement? I mean, of course, yeah, those, those Israeli Jews are majority very brown and not white at all, uh, but never, never let BLM get in the way of the facts. So they're going to be on the circle. We're going to be covering it and uh, maybe wading out into the fray. So John Herrick, the news director here at 93 WIBC, he's going down to cover it. He's basically going to be embedded in the whole situation. So around 548 or so, we're going to give it a few minutes to kind of fire up. We will connect live with John Herrick. And all throughout the afternoon, we're going to let you know if we see any action outside the windows here of the Emmis building overlooking Monument Circle. So stay here. Don't go anywhere else. We are going to be live all through the afternoon keeping you up to date. Tony, unfortunately, we've got some revised numbers and it's not good. 27 is now the death toll of Americans dead as a result of the Israeli attacks, 27 Americans dead, 14 accounted for. That's why when people say that it's not our fight, I'm sorry, they killed American citizens. You have an American passport. When you go around the world, that carries with it the protection of being an American citizen. And I hear people saying, well, we're isolationists. You know, we're, we don't want to get involved in any foreign conflicts. I understand. I agree with you. I don't want to get involved in any foreign conflicts. One of the ways that you prevent foreign conflicts is promising any other country or terror group, if you touch my citizens, there will be hell to pay. And there should be. Those are our American. There are still between 17 and 45 American hostages that Hamas has. They know they're Americans. They they ripped the wallets from their bag. It's not like you can't tell an Indiana or an Oklahoma driver's license from an Israeli uh, identification script. These are American people. They're our American people, and they need to be home. And you have served in the United States military. I was a cadet. I was a cadet. Okay. So I, I did not serve, and I make that distinction very, very clear. What is the distinction for those who don't know. So a cadet is someone who's who's gone through basic training and who has has done like some administrative work. They're a student preparing to be a soldier. Uh, okay. I left West Point after that uh, to go to a college somewhere else. All West Point had was engineering degrees. I didn't want to do engineering, um, but. I have made this distinction very clear because God forbid there is ever a day that I steal another man's valor. Understood. And thank you for clarifying, because all week long we've been speaking with a lot of our military guests, folks who have been on the front lines doing the things, some very dangerous stuff, and every single one of them have been as passionate as you just were, saying if there are indeed Americans 
being held hostage. We have to go rescue them. And this is, by the way, I hear a lot of people saying, well, Thomas Jefferson said that, you know, we, we shouldn't get in any any foreign entanglements during his, pre- during his presidency. During Thomas Jefferson's presidency, we leveled the pirates, the Islamic pirates that kept sacking American ships. We were the only power on earth to do that. Again, remember the great song uh, for the Marines, The Shores of Tripoli? That's where that comes from. We leveled pirates throughout the entire American history, back when Europeans were paying Islamic pirates off. Americans have always made it clear. You mess with our citizens and you'll be gone. And that is the exact policy we should have. So here's the headline from NBC News. Quote, U.S. has no plans to send troops to Israel for hostage rescue. Now, Tony, this tells me one of two things. Number one, it's a smokescreen and they're already there. Right. Or number two, and just play ball with me, let's say that report from NBC is what it is and it's true is joe biden legitimately planning on leaving american citizens again the same thing happened in afghanistan now it's happening in israel there's no way they have plans to let this happen again so that was the report that came out today from nbc and those were the first two things that crossed my mind recently we've heard that the united states state department now was planning to have charter flights going back and forth because John Kirby, bless his heart, the Baghdad Bob of the Biden administration, right. went on News Nation and basically said, yeah, if you're stranded, you know, buy a ticket at the airport. For the second time in two years, Americans are stranded in a war zone. What's the plan to get them out? How can you answer that question? Well, a couple of things here. First of all, uh, commercial flights are still going in and out of Ben Gurion Airport, so that's always an option for those who may want to leave. There are still some viable ground routes, uh, and we're exploring many other options as well. So first of all, let's take that statement and dissect it a little bit here, Tony. These flights are being canceled left and right at the airport. Very few are actually going in and out now. And the strategy originally was... Yeah, sucks for you guys. Hopefully you got enough money for a ticket out, assuming your flight is leaving. And and again, I want to make this very clear. If you're an American citizen, you are guaranteed the protection of the United States when you are out. You are guaranteed immediate access to the U.S. Embassy. You are guaranteed immediate access to the State Department. The State Department has a very specific set of instructions on what countries are safe to travel to. There was no ban on going to Israel when the surprise attack was launched on that Israeli holiday, excuse me, that Jewish holiday. And again, there is no situation here in which we can afford to leave Americans adrift in any country anywhere on earth. They are ours. And and if you if you suggest that there are, I want to know what number of Americans it would be okay to go and, and get back. What is the upper limit or the lower limit on how many people have to be held hostage before you start caring? Because there are there are our responsibility. No other country has right to hold you hostage. And now we're hearing that the State Department is starting a charter flight program for those who feel like they need to get the hell out of Israel and they're able to do so. Good. The folks that are still there. Now, obviously, if you're being held hostage, you don't have the ability to just walk up and say, excuse me, I'm going to go get on the plane now. That's not how this works. Also, 
Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis is doing something interesting. Yeah, uh, this is a tweet from Governor Ron DeSantis today at uh, 2.33 p.m. He says, today I signed an executive order authorizing rescue operations in Israel to bring Floridians home and transport supplies to our allies. We will not leave our residents behind. To the many Floridians who are stuck in Israel trying to get home, help is on the way. Don't you just love some real leadership? I forget everything else about the presidential race right now. This is just a governor that is doing what he is supposed to do. Of course, we saw Representative Corey Mills of Florida has now helped rescue 77 Americas. He's just flying there himself and he's getting them and bringing them back. That's that's leadership. That's what I want to see. Screw all the performative junk. And keep in mind, the state of Florida has a large Israeli population because, let's be honest, Florida is where a lot of people go to retire. And there's a large population of older Israelis that live in Florida. And Ron DeSantis, you know, maybe, just maybe, in the back of his mind... He can get a little political bump out of this, but ultimately you would think he's just doing this to show what leadership looks like and give a big middle finger to Joe Biden. Well, I'll also toss a bone to him and say this, that Florida is one of the states that has the largest economic and industrial presence in the Mediterranean and in Israel. Uh, it is. It's a coastal state that shares a lot of the same climate. They share a lot of information industrially, agriculturally, as well as economically. And there are a lot of important assets to the state of Florida that are abroad. So it would behoove you to protect those people that are making sure that your state continues to function. Florida's growing at an astronomical rate. If you don't protect your assets, it's going to tank very quickly. Meanwhile, the rally at Monument Circle is scheduled for today, but nationwide and even worldwide, Hamas is calling for the, quote, global day of jihad tomorrow. Well, Tonus, nothing says uh, we're reasonable people who just want peace, like calling for a global day of jihad scheduled tomorrow. All these people that tell me that, oh, they're just they're just peace loving people who just just can be reasoned with and, and diplomacy should resume. No, they openly go out on Russian television, on Syrian television, and they broadcast to the world. We want to kill Jews and we want to kill Christians and we want to kill Americans. Those are the three groups they always list. Now, I, I want to stay out of this as much as everyone else. I don't want sons and daughters to die in a foreign war. That's not what I'm about at all. But I don't know how you can look at something like this and say we shouldn't be taking precautions. The USS Gerald Ford should be standing by and saying, look, if your little international jihad day starts to hurt Americans, we will punch back 10 times as hard. And in Manhattan, they're taking their precautions. They've got police helicopters patrolling. Because keep in mind, Joe Biden's border has been wide open for a while. We've been talking about it a lot lately. Right. But this thing has been wide open for a while. So it's not like terrorists are just going to come over today or tomorrow and harm you. The real reality is they're already here. We've seen the rallies in Dearborn, Michigan that look like a Nazi push beer hall fest where they are screaming. Again, different American rallies. People are holding up swastikas, not white supremacists, but the individuals who are screaming, kill the Jews, gas the Jews. If you are a member of a synagogue, I have already spoken to uh, a member of one synagogue that, that says that they have received uh, certain online threats. Don't want to mention the synagogue that here in Indy? here in Indiana uh, that they have received uh, threats online anonymously and they're taking care of that with local law enforcement etc if you are a member of a church if you're a member of a synagogue I would ask you respectfully be very wary tomorrow be carrying I will be carrying I'm always carrying protect yourself because they have openly told the world this is not an exaggeration they are coming to kill you that's not fear-mongering that is a promise from the leaders of Hamas when they chant it's death to Israel death 
death to America. How more obvious does it have to get? Again, this is the most, you don't have to say this is a dog whistle. This isn't connecting some big yarn conspiracy of red dots. This is individuals saying, wherever you are, we will kill you and we will do unspeakable things to your family. Protect yourself. Be smart. And keep in mind, both mayoral candidates here in Indianapolis think you're the problem if you want to be one of those gross, disgusting, law-abiding gun owners tomorrow. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. A lot of serious crap going on in the world. But there are some things that can make you smile. Like, oh, I don't know. Winning $1.73 billion in the Powerball. My goodness. And somebody did that last night. The winning Powerball ticket of $1.73 billion was sold in California. It was sold about 70 miles north of L.A. at a liquor store. So, Tony Kennett, how do you think this country would react if O.J. Simpson was the winner of the $1.73 billion Powerball jackpot. I can hear Norm MacDonald rolling in his grave, <laughs> number one. Number two, can you imagine how tricked out you could make a Bronco with $1.7 billion? I mean, it could probably, you know, resize your gloves for you. I think people like it when they see poor people win, right? Good for you. Now you get to live the life of a rich person. It sucks when you find out some CEO of a company bought like 500 tickets and now he's just added to his wealth. That sucks. That's like the beginning of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, right? There's that one rich girl whose dad had like all these employees opening up chocolate bars just to find one golden ticket. And it's like, you don't deserve that. What is this? That's not what the contest is for. Violet was the one, and I've gone on a rant about this in the past. Violet was the one that deserved the keys to the chocolate factory. Because if you do the process of elimination of all the kids on Willy Wonka, Charlie and his deadbeat grandpa, <laughs> no. The biggest bum in the history of cinema is the deadbeat grandpa of Charlie who's bedridden, making the old lady do all the work. But then when Charlie comes home with free chocolate, hot damn, he's up and breakdancing and they're ready to go. And all he does is get Charlie in trouble when they go to the chocolate factory and if charlie's that weak and can't make up his own mind and he's impressionable by this loser he doesn't deserve the factory augustus gloop too fat he's going to die soon of heart disease or childhood obesity you can't trust him with the future with so many employees i.e the oompa loompas violet is the only one her old man was like a politician used car salesman so i feel like she could have him win over the local politicians, play a little greasy politics if need be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And her problem in the chocolate factory was the least of all the people. Uh, Mike yeah. TV was a pain in the ass. You've got Veruca, who was just an awful, awful person. Yeah, she yeah. was the honorary first squad member. And all these other kids had major issues. Augustus falling in the river. All Violet did was chew the bubble gum so the Oompa Loompas 
couldn't do it. She was saving the workforce. She was looking after the workforce. That's the leadership I want of somebody taking care of a chocolate factory. So they don't tell you this when you get into when you get into broadcasting, but there's always one random cultural thing that will set someone off. And so I've just found hammers. Mine is the character Lily on How I Met Your Mother. I can go on a rant about why she's the ultimate villain in any sitcom. She's the worst person in sitcom history. Allison, do you have a uh, there's like there's like a cultural thing that just sets you off that right. can put you on a 15 minute rant? Because I could do a show on Jenny Gump too. Oh. But I think Grandpa Joe is way worse. Allison, anything for you? I not off the top of my head, no. Oh come on, there's got to be somebody you hate. I, I'm sure there is. I just like I'm putting on it's the Pat spot Sullivan, here. isn't it? I know it. You saw right through me. He kind of grows on you, though. But being home and garden, that's kind of given. Right. See, Allison, she works there. She's on the show. She can't say it, but her eyes are telling the story right now. Oh, you're, Keep you're your an eye reader. closer. Yes. Oh, 100%. This is, this is dangerous. I, I don't want to buy fertilizer from Pat now. I'm getting nervous. No, but you would buy chocolate from the chocolate factory if Violet was in charge. That's the leadership I'm looking for. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> The Hammer and Nigel Show. With so much in the news cycle, the war in Israel, the threats of violence in the homeland, Speaker of the House drama, a lot of people have forgotten about the UAW strike. Ah, yes. And it's fallen out of the news cycle. And I think that's important. Now, before I tell you why, let me reset the latest here. Uh, The UAW, they are kind of ramping up those numbers in regards to striking against the big three automakers in Detroit. Yesterday, 8,700 workers walked off of their jobs at the Kentucky Ford plant, the big truck plant in Kentucky. So this brings the number to about 33,700, give or take, workers that are on strike against the big three automakers. Now, the reason I say it's important to say this has fallen out of the news cycle, when you're in a situation like this, when you're the UAW, you need this story to be paramount. You need to be in the headlines. And even when it was, you may disagree, but it feels like the public opinion really wasn't on the side of the auto workers. I think a lot of people looked at this and said, yeah, I don't want to root for big business. I'm not team Ford or team Stellantis here, but you guys want a 40% raise in a four-day work week? Yeah, well, so hell, would I. Everybody gets that. <laughs> uh, uh, so I went up to Detroit. I, I stood outside the very Ford plant that we're talking about here, the Ford Assembly plant on Madison Avenue. And I talked to a lot of these individuals, and one of the things that we discussed was that Ford had offered them a 20% raise, and they were not allowed to accept it. A 20% raise is pretty good. That's a really nice raise. And they, they, they were not allowed to accept it because the UAW union bosses said no. No, we're going to keep pushing for this because, you know, you you go into negotiations, you throw out a high number because you're hoping that if you shoot for the moon, you'll land among the stars. You'll get a number that kind of works because you'll get a maybe a lesser number than that. But you knew you were suggesting something way bigger. You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Right. But now, again, everywhere in the country has moved on. Everyone knows that these are Biden's policies that have assisted in in crippling this industry. Uh, We know that there's a lot of nonsense coming out of the UAW whining about Elon Musk and goofy 
nonsense that isn't worth our time. And so now they're trying to ramp up the stakes and and cancel even more of the auto industry over I, again, not getting a four-day work week. In what world are you getting a four-day work week? If you're the average American worker, I'm sorry, you work five days a week. You just do, like the rest of us. I don't feel bad. I work five days a week. I, I'm just, I don't feel bad for you not getting your four-day work week. Hell, there's up. a lot of people that work six or seven days a week. Now, in the statement, uh, Ford called the strike an expansion that is grossly irresponsible. That is correct. And they say that their main goal is industrial chaos. That's also correct. And we see this with the involvement from Democrat socialist candidates who are calling for open communist revolution in the United States via the auto industry, which doesn't work because the U.S. doesn't lean on the auto industry like it did in 1934. Uh, again, this is just very obvious stuff that if you had like an ounce of history education, you would understand. But I think what Ford's saying that it's grossly uh, irresponsible is true. Ford was given giving them more than any other auto manufacturer. Ford had, had been on the record. UW said, we're not increasing the strikes on Ford because they are actually giving us a lot of what we want. And we haven't heard all of those insider terms. I've been trying to find those. They're kind of hard to you know, get internal documents from two very quiet people. But they were making concessions. And now the UAW is just going to throw that in the trash. Why would you spit in the eye of the company that's working on you the most? I just don't get it. It's so stupid. And I'm telling you, Nobody wants to be, I'm rooting for the billionaires, I'm rooting for the millionaires, but the UAW has put themselves in a position where a lot of people are saying, kind of like the mayor's race here yeah. in Indy, I am not really picking a side here. Yeah. You guys want to work four days and have a 40% raise? Right. You guys over here want to keep making your billions and not pass any down? I don't like any of you guys. So the war on public opinion is ongoing, and right now... In sports betting terms, I think it's a push. You sent me a story today, Tony. It was an op-ed in the Indy Star. Oh, so you know it's going to be good. I, <laughs> you can just tell. And I'm just going to read you the headline. School resource officers harm rather than protect kids. It's time for them to go. So some egghead down at IU that's got a degree in criminal justice oh, yeah. wrote this op-ed and put this in the Indy Star. And I'm telling you, this is chef's kiss mwah, for the Indy Star because the timing could not have been worse. We just witnessed innocent children slaughtered that could not defend themselves on a global scale. And what's the Indy Star's response? The school resource officers have to go. Now, I'm 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 not gonna you know say this is an, an officially Indianapolis Star endorsed opinion. Of course, the Indianapolis Star you don't really see them out there you know fighting for justice like they do whenever the Hamilton East Public Library makes a decision and there's 18 articles on it and half the news media and John Green's all up in arms. But you know they're publishing this op-ed in which someone says police officers are the problem. They're making the situation worse. I have been on the inside of Indianapolis public schools. I remember when George Washington. Washington High School locked its bathrooms, started a policy of locking its bathrooms during the day. Students would have to go ask for the key like it's a southern gas station because kids were going in there and beating each other within an inch of their lives. And you're telling me the cops the problem? 
Well, the, the, the cop's not running Fight Club. I, I, I don't understand why that. Oh, but we can't talk about that. Arsenal Tech High School in Indianapolis Public Schools. They literally have to have someone at the school that is assigned to reporting social media accounts that are popping up daily covering the fights at Arsenal Tech. There were like five when I was working at Indianapolis Public Schools. Warren Township Schools are so utterly violent, students regularly attack teachers, and the office does not have enough people to send down to investigate the fights. Indianapolis schools are festering cesspools of violent crime, but the cops are the problem. Oh, yeah, you know, those, those cops, those people in blue. Oh, that's just a prison pipeline. I spoke to a couple friends of mine that are each school resource officers in different school districts completely, and they both brought up the same thing. If you read the article... They don't talk to anybody in this article. It's one person's opinion. They don't talk to anybody. And this person only references data. No source, just data generically thrown out there. So I'm wondering, how does the Indie Star pick their op-eds? Can anybody just do one? Because I have a hard time believing. If I sat down and wrote a long article about, it's a problem, Joe Hogsett went missing during the riots, and we have reason to believe he might have been in rehab. These are the rumors that we've been hearing. I don't think they would run that. I have a hard time believing that if I wrote an article about the biggest problem in the city, it's not law-abiding gun owners, it's black-on-black crime, which Black Lives Matter completely chooses to ignore. I have a hard time believing they would run that article, Tony. I mean, and that's that's precisely what runs through my mind quite consistently. I mean, the Indianapolis Star is floundering so much that there are internal conversations at Gannett Publishing as to whether to close it down. And I don't want to, I mean, I'm going to repeat that. The Indianapolis Star is doing so poorly. There are internal conversations happening with the higher ups at Gannett to shut the paper down. They've shut the Columbus Dispatch down. They're considering shutting the Minneapolis Star Tribune down. The Indianapolis Star loses tons of money. All you have to do is go on Facebook and look at all of their ads. They cannot give the star away. One dollar for three years worth of subscription. And it's just <laughs> laughter emojis. Right. I wouldn't use that to wipe my butt, half the comments say, because it's a garbage newspaper. I, I think they'd probably accept your op-ed just because that means more than three and a half people in two public libraries would read it when it was published for that day. It is a newspaper that is hemorrhaging subscribers. It is so, so pathetic. And that's a great segue. Speaking of hemorrhaging subscribers, the Washington Post. So the Washington Post is having massive layoffs. The context for the Washington Post buyout program, which was announced yesterday per the interim publisher, Patty Stonesfire, who's been there since 2021, they broke down the reason why. The audience down 28%. Subscriptions down 15% to around 2.5 million. This is the Washington Post we're talking about. Print revenue down 10%. Digital ads down 30%. This same interim publisher says, quote, this is a really good business that we overshot on with our expenses. I love it. And the reason I can say that is because I work for the Daily Signal and the Daily Signal's subscriber count is currently through the roof. And we are gaining records in numbers of donations. Uh, my articles are kind of in an upswing of views as time goes on. The same can be said over at the Daily Wire, over at the Washington Examiner, over at the Washington Times, over uh, when you're looking at kind of smaller local regional 
news uh, groups like uh, Real News Michiana or Real News Indiana, you're seeing a lot of news that's getting more in, in terms of viewership because they are simply covering things that people want them to cover. The Indianapolis Star has yet to ask Hogsett where he was the night of the riots. One person tried to and said there's been chatter about your location or something like that. Hogsett gave a non-answer and there was no follow-up. I mean, how much more do we say? I, no wonder they're failing. It, it takes the mo- again. Uh, this is one of the things that I, I've talked to uh, several individuals over at Fox Fifty Nine uh, a, a lot uh, about, which is that how do you ask tough questions to both sides? Because I did. I, I wrote a, a piece about a Republican uh, school choice director in Arizona who completely screwed over her job. People were very upset after I published the article that I. How can you criticize such an important movement at a time? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you do a crappy job, you deserve to be covered. And that's my feelings on this mayor's race here in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. I, the Shreve campaign would refuse to talk to me when, when I originally reached out and asked them about Shreve's going back on gun policy. And they have now they're like citing WIBC. Oh, excuse me. WBIC as that one <laughs> Shreve ad set on social media. It's, it's so embarrassing to watch individuals come to terms with the fact that people listen to this station that read decent media and that has far more impact than WT. THR or the Indy Star do anymore. And the fact, listen, let's be honest, the folks listening to this station, listening to this show, myself, you, Nigel, we're fearless when it comes to this stuff because we don't want to be their friends. So many, and I call them this, butt sniffers in this city want to have the access. They want to be invited to the lunches and the dinners and the black tie events. I would rather stay home and gamble on sports. I do not want to be these people's friend. I just want them to do what they are elected to do. And that's not turn your back on your base. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Man, I'm looking out the window here at Monument Circle. It's a beautiful, just clear, sunny day. But we're expected to get a little action later on. 5.30, there's supposed to be some sort of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas rally. We'll keep you up to date on that. But I have questions, Tony Kennan. Ask these questions. Let's just say the do show up, and there's anywhere from 50 to 100 people. Maybe there's more, maybe there's less. I don't know. Sure. Are they going to step over all the homeless people that are currently on the steps of the monument, or do they get to stay there and just enjoy the show? I mean, they, uh, both groups are. Uh, so I've I've been to several uh, BLM protests in in the last couple of years, and there's a stench of urine that's very palpable. I've walked around the homeless people in Indianapolis and in Philadelphia, and there's a stench of urine that's very palpable. And I say this not to be a smartass, because I'm looking out the window right now. There are multiple homeless people just laying like on the steps across the monument. I'm just asking. So there's that open business that is that is down where Starbucks used to be. And I think that if you are an individual that sold air fresheners, you could do really well by setting up shop in downtown Monument Circle air fresheners. Seriously, it smells like piss. It's horrible. And I think that's only going to get worse this afternoon because every BLM protest I've ever been to reeked of piss. People need a shower. 
and I'm also upset they took down the the ping pong tables because there was the idea that you, you and I yeah we were going to go have show, a couple of sets we're going to go down there and play a heated round of table tennis a little ping pong while they were chanting death to America but apparently. We can't do that now because the putting greens and the putt-putt and all that stuff, they're closing up shop for the day. So, again, keep it right here all throughout the afternoon. I don't really know what to expect. I don't think you're going to see a problem. I don't know how big it's going to be. I think you're going to see anywhere from 50, maybe to 100 people, a lot of media covering it you know we're sending john herrick down you might be going down later tony i think it's probably going to be okay but just in case things go to quote mostly peaceful Ah. you see a lot of the things down here starting to wrap up and close up shop just a little early well you have to be careful because if things start to get mostly peaceful you'll have to start looking out for joe hogsett's car heading straight for richmond indiana (laughs) so they just kind of keep an eye out you know on i-70 and us-40 for the hogsett mobile heading out to uh, a certain eastern central indiana town if you know you know it's the hammer and (laughs) nigel show Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Hotter than expected. CPI for the month of September headline expected up three tenths. Well, it's up four tenths of one percent. Up four tenths of one percent. Year over year, 3.7. Year over year headline, one tenth hotter than expected. That is the reaction from CNBC today when the inflation report The CPI was released. We'll get to that here in just a moment. My name is Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal, pinch hitting for Big Nige. That's right. And right now, Tony, it looks like Steve Scalise does not have the votes to become the Speaker of the House. Because last time I checked, there were at least 12 House Republicans that were a hard no on Steve Scalise. And this included Lauren Boebert. Large Marge, uh, Santos, (laughs) Mace, Thomas Massey. They were just some of the folks that were a hard no on Steve Scalise. Now, if you remember, this whole creation is Matt Gates' baby. He is a Scalise supporter. I'm excited for him. Can't wait to go vote for Steve Scalise. Absolutely. Long live, long live Speaker Scalise. Do you think he has the votes on the floor? He's divided vote in there. I sure hope so. Now, Matt Gates, I think, is just happy that it's not Kevin McCarthy. But here is Large Marge. I'm not supporting Steve Scalise. I'll be voting for Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan presented a strong plan for us, a detailed plan on how to move forward. We didn't hear that plan from Steve Scalise. It was it was more vague answers. Um, but there's another situation that's very personal to me. You know, I lost my father in 2021 to cancer. And unfortunately, Steve is going through a, a, cancel, a cancer battle of his own. And, you know, I like Steve Scalise a lot, and I like him so much. I would like to see him put his full efforts into defeating that so again if you're new to the program large marge is of course marjorie taylor green you don't you don't have to get up in front of people and say that you just don't i'm sorry oh he's he's i think that i'm not voting for him because i because he's battling cancer no no if he thinks that he has the ability to be speaker and he has demonstrated mental competence. Not like Fetterman, who's in and out of the hospital and is in sweatshirts and, and looking like Encino Man. No, not, not that. 
But if if Scalise, who is very competent, is able to do so, you don't get up and say, well, he has cancer, so that's going to be a no from me. No, get out of here. I I really like Thomas Massey. I think he is a very solid representative. He and I have spoken a couple of times. His response to this was, I don't think the people in Kevin McCarthy's leadership cast should be getting promoted if we ousted McCarthy. That's a good argument. Now, Large Marge could have said that. She could have. Uh, you, you, Groper Boyber, you know, could have got up there and, and said something similar. No, no, we're, we're going to we're going to play these weird nonsensical cards instead of actually having a decent conversation. Well, now Newsmax is reporting that Steve Scalise is prepared to withdraw his name if at the end of the day today they know they can't get to the number they need, which is 217. My favorite thing is that it is objectively confirmed that neither Scalise nor Jordan actually want the speakership. <laughs> like they, They've both gone on the records. That, you know, Jordan's like, look, I didn't think that we needed to oust McCarthy. I thought he's done a pretty okay job. And then, of course, you had Scalise. It's like, look, dude, I'm just, if they want me to serve, I will. But like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. This is but honestly, they put their names in the hat, though. Like, they have. A lot of people ask them to put their names in the hat. Because at this point, what other House leaders are? there like we're like going through people so quickly that it's starting to become clear how many republican congressmen are just vapid wax figures that are kind of just there because they ran a decent campaign and this is the age of people with personality in politics and there is a need for a u.s speaker to either have a name that is known or have a personality that can punch back you cannot afford not to have a pelosi on the republican side of the aisle nikki haley's entire brand is being the republican version of hillary clinton she just is. We need someone in the speaker that can basically be the Republican version of Pelosi. It's just just fact. So, again, Newsmax, they're the ones that came out with this first, saying Steve Scalise is prepared to back away if they know they can't get him to 217. Meanwhile, Fox is now reporting that there's a number of Republicans exploring ways to potentially empower House Speaker pro temp Patrick McHenry through mid-November, giving them some more time to get some things done, line up all their ducks in a row here before they have a real vote for the Speaker. Patrick McHenry, who's kind of the acting Speaker right now, would be in power through mid-November if this report from Fox is correct. I just, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to just cop out of this, but I really wish I cared. I still haven't seen the Republican House do anything worth being excited over. Uh, usually I'm either mildly outraged or it's a big nothing burger. Uh, I'm, I'm just far more interested in what's going on at the State House uh, than I am in, in seeing what's going on at the Capitol. Because, I, again, until they actually choose a speaker that actually starts directing investigation. I think Kevin McCarthy was doing a pretty decent job. It was just me. Yeah, I had issues with him pushing things back to 24. But, it, again, this is all just like bureaucratic corporate slapping each other and like email chains. Right. It, it's not impressing voters. I, again, I have a, a love-hate relationship with Matt Gates. Sometimes he says things that I really like. Sometimes I just cringe more than anything. But even he's starting to realize how much just of a circus this is. I mean, it's enough to make Sparks just want to, like, quit. I mean, that's what he said. Like, this is just such a, a BS circus that, that, I'm just, that I'm just about done. All right, fine. You don't want to talk about the speaker race. I get it. Let's talk about how poor we are. Can we do that, Tony? That's one Can of the same. Can we talk about how poor we are? We sure are. <laughs> The Consumer Price Index, also known as the Inflation Report, came out earlier today. And once again, things are moving in the wrong direction. Inflation remains up 3.7% 
year over year, more than double what it was when Joe Biden took office. And core consumer prices, stripping out food and energy, are up 4.1% year over year. And again, those things, when you do include things uh, in the food aspect that Americans are consuming, when you bring into account the American food staples, you know, bread, eggs, cheese, pork, beef, uh, dairy products kind of as a whole, etc. Those are often in some regions double the price they were just two or three years ago. And you were seeing people walk around in some grocery stores that are paying two, three, four bucks for a loaf of bread. And it's ridiculous. It is insane. And these have become the averages that Americans are dealing with. And yet the Democrats think they've scored some kind of a major victory. It is the most ministry of truth nonsense that I have ever heard. Watching the corpse that is Joe Biden stand up there with a Joker-like smile on his face and talking about Ugh. Bidenomics. It really is a Joker-like smile. Ugh. It's creepy and it's laughable because since Joe Biden took office, overall prices, overall, up 17.7%. Food prices, up more than 20%. The rent, rent, it's up more than 17%. Rent, it's too damn high. The rent is too damn high. Electricity's up 27%. Yet real wages, your salary compared to the inflation level, down 3.2%. It's been the great American pay cut since Joe Biden became the president. I'm just waiting for these. And people always talk about how presidential policies have like a lag time until they take effect. So you really can't blame, you know, what's going on in the first couple of months of a new administration on the current president because it's carryover from blah, blah, blah. At what point did Bidenomics that he's championing around the world, when do those kick in? Because what it looks like is that every one of his policies has crippled every facet of American industry. Again, UAW workers, when I was in Detroit, blue Democrats were telling me that they were likely going to vote blue except for the presidential uh, ticket in 24 because they said, yeah, Trump may be an a-hole, but at least when he was in the office, I had money in my pocket and food on the table. So let's go back to real wealth, which again is the salary that Americans bring in compared to the inflation level. The average American family is down $33,000 in the past year, considering they have to pay for electricity, they have to pay for groceries, they go on vacations, they fill up their gas tank. You factor all of that together, the average American family, even if you got a raise at work, it's not keeping up with inflation, you're down $33,000 in the past year alone. Jim Mora, your thoughts on this report? In my opinion, that sucked. Thank you, Jim Mora. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Amber and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Tony Kennett, the Tonus, filling in for Big Nige, and this is how we're going to do Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by Tony. He's going to break down all the information, weigh out the pros and the cons, and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? We start with this. There's a new phrase coined by author Sarah Wilson called perfect moment syndrome. 
which is when you set your expectations for an event so high that you become disappointed because your expectations aren't met. Here she is talking about it perfect moment syndrome. It afflicts those of us who think life should operate in a certain way and to certain ratios. That birthdays are always happy. That a week in Thailand is meant to be relaxing. When you stop and check in with yourself, what are my expectations about this thing that I'm about to do in my relationship? What I found for myself is that when I have the bar so high of exactly how something should go, it leaves so much room for disappointment and it leaves so much space for me to feel like the experience that I just had was not what it should have been. That anything? Uh, I mean, what she's saying is is true as a standpoint of, yeah, when you have really high expectations, usually things don't meet very high expectations. But the way that she's describing it, like, like she's some kind of made some bold discovery about the human mind. <laughs> Actually, it's called perfect moment syndrome. And we've calculated these efforts and relationship coach. No, yeah. When you have really high expectations, things don't usually meet them, a.k.a. Disney World. You're like, oh, Disney's the magical place on Earth. And you get there and it's like a bunch of sweaty people overpaying for things. Or... All right, the Colts have signed Matt Ryan. I still think he's got a little bit of the tank here. We're going to win the division. No. No. (laughs) So, I mean, no, I'm sorry, but like those kind of pseudo psychological relationship coaches that, like, we need to sit down with yourself and have a moment and reflect. No one does that. Like, when's the last (laughs) time you sat down? Like, okay, Hammer, am I expecting too much out of my surroundings? And you look over and it's just Nigel scratching his left boob. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I think we're right where we need to be. You've described anybody that's ever taken a tour of the studio of the Hammer and Nigel show. (laughs) Oh, Hammer and Nigel. I bet they're, you know, they look great. They're energetic. You know, they're going to be fun to hang out with. They walk in here. Nigel's half drunk, half asleep. Allison's yelling at somebody. Harrison Silcox is shotgunning beers behind the glass. Stone colding it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a king. (laughs) Is this anything? An Arkansas state trooper, air quotes here, retired after he pit maneuvered the wrong vehicle last month. Now, if you don't know what a pit maneuver is, it's if there's a chase happening between a suspect and a police officer, the pit maneuver is when they basically spin your car out to stop you from speeding and going away. Like, they give you a little bump draft, and then they spin you out. (laughs) This is the lawyer of the wrongful pit guy hit by the officer. The old policy was essentially the officer could do it if that officer believed it was okay to do it, minus a couple exceptions. Somebody on a motorcycle, somebody in the back of a truck. We moved away from that, minus those couple exceptions, to more of an objective standard, which is what a reasonable officer would do under those circumstances. That's just negligence, right? Like, to to drive up on a car and not be able to check a license plate or not be able to check other circumstances to make sure you're pitting the right car. That anything? Uh, you can hear the moment the lawyer clutches his pearls. What if if you can get close enough to him to check his license plate? If, if you can aim at the guy's knees instead of at his chest, if you if, then he'd be fine. I'm sorry, but uh, in in the spirit of uh, in the spirit of the great eastbound and down, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Thank you. I, I am more than anything for pit maneuvering. I'm for J turns. I'm for cops <laughs> doing awesome stuff in their cars. If you are driving away quickly from the police. It's not like if I'm driving away from the cops and they mark my silver Toyota Corolla, he's not going to get up and go pit maneuver a, a red Ford Ranger. 
I mean, right. is he really? Like, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying that. I want to see some shake and bake by the law enforcement. Yeah. I want one car in front, the other car behind. He's getting the draft. Next thing you know, shake and bake. Just like Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton Jr. I That's want, what I want. I want cops to be able to press a button on the dashboard and a spring-loaded boxing glove comes out of the front <laughs> of the car. Like, I, I want more Mario Kart shenanigans from police on the road. Is this anything? A Missouri man has set a new world record. He hollowed out a 1,208-pound pumpkin and turned it into a boat, and he paddled 38.4 miles down the Missouri River. Steve Kenny paddled his pumpkin for 11 hours from Kansas City, Kansas to Napoleon, Missouri. Is this anything? Stop, 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 stop. So the first words you said were, a Missouri man has a new world record. Are you telling me there is a Guinness Book of World Records record earlier for hollowing out a pumpkin and rowing down the Missouri River? Is this like, you know, Indiana, we have our state pie, we have our state flower, our state tree, and our state record for pumpkin rowing down our rivers. Really? Yes. And the second thing is that this sounds like a European fairy tale. Let me tell you the story of Steve Kinney <laughs> and hollowing the pumpkin down the river. It starts in a long time ago in Missouri. I can't tell if that's like a leprechaun or Middle Eastern. I really can't. Like, it's somewhere in between both of those. It's me taking uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb and <laughs> narrowing it down a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm sorry you don't find this impressive. I think it's impressive. And as a matter of fact... Our record label, Hammer and Nigel Records, wrote a song celebrating this amazing feat of American ingenuity. It was too big for us to eat it. It never was intended for Halloween. Too much for a pie or a jack-o'-lantern light. But just about right to float the misery. Come on. Big pump can keep on floating. It's crazy, but now I'm boating. Boating. Rowing. Rolling. Rowing. Rowing. Rowing in a pumpkin. See, the next part of the song is where Allison gets up on the table and dances like Tina Turner. It's a shame we don't have the webcam for that. I'm actually going to go find that song and download it. That inspired me to hollow out a pumpkin of my own. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! So we're about an hour away from this scheduled protest on Monument Circle. It was promoted to be the pro Palestinian, pro Hamas, BLM folks coming here to talk about how awful Israel is, right? That's what it was promoted to be. Right. Tony Kennett, I'm looking out the window right now and. I see some pro-Israel people out there. There's a woman with an Israeli flag. She's with a guy that's got an American flag. And I'm wondering if this is going to get interesting here in about an hour. Uh, I'm thinking the same thing. And uh, I would I would like to advise, if you're planning on coming down to Monument Circle this evening, that you advise caution, that you remain very safe. Uh, again, we're going to have somebody down uh, amidst the crowd, whoever shows up. Uh, I got to tell you, though, Hammer, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised because Indiana is the heart of evangelicals in the north. When it comes to evangelical culture in the United States, Indiana is one of the touch points. And if there's anything I can tell you about most evangelicals, they are very, very pro-Israel. Uh, again, 
whether you like or hate Mike Pence, that was part of his big pull of popularity back when he was uh, running um, as the vice president with, with Donald Trump, back when he was running for governor. And that kind of spirit really does resonate in the state. Now, of course, you know, Pence has screwed the pooch in recent statements. Um, but again, that kind of common pro-Israel spirit is very strong in Indiana. So I'm not surprised they've shown up. Uh, I hope that the crowd respects them. And I say that tongue in cheek because if I if I know BLM, um, it certainly will not be very friendly. It'll get mostly peaceful. Uh, mostly hmm. peaceful. I do see about five, let me see, one, two, seven uh, police officers. State just, police officers. Right. Just kind of hanging out, though. They're not really doing anything. They're just in a circle supervising. So as of right now, everything's all good. The pro-Israeli people are at the top steps of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, and it looks like a very few pro uh, Palestinian crowd people, they're at the bottom steps. So sometime in the next hour, we expect that to ramp up. Our news director, John Herrick, will be going down there and we'll connect with him at about 548 this afternoon. I want to address something. And Tony, I showed you this email before we came on the air here. It's from a guy who listens to this program, Okay, likes this program. So I'm Great. not going to beat up on him. Awesome. But he's upset with me because I'm not going to vote for Jefferson Tree. Oh, okay. So Ken, and I won't say his last name, sends me this message. Um, he writes, Jason, I'm an avid listener to your broadcast, listen to you daily. Last night, I just simply couldn't take the way you were taking, what well, I couldn't take the way you were talking out of both sides of your mouth. First and most importantly, you are not just one vote. Because I've always said, listen, you guys listen to this radio station. You listen to this show. You're smart. You can make up your own minds. I'm one man with one vote, and I'm not voting for either one of these guys. Ken writes me, you are not one vote. You are thousands of votes that you influence. Please don't take that responsibility lightly. Being a cohesive Republican Party will get us the W that we need. And frankly, the people of the city of Indianapolis need it. And he goes on to say, so, sir, please stop crapping on Shreve and telling everyone to waste their vote on a write-in. You and your teammates will be the reason the Democrats will win again. He goes on to say, yes, I agree that the Republicans really suck at campaigning and they are pathetic at helping their constituents to develop a strong, cohesive electoral strategy. But that is why it's even more important for people like you and your teammates to bring us a victory that we desperately need. That's from listener Ken. Now, before I respond, I want your initial reaction, Tony Kennett. So, Hammer, you're a parent, and uh, you remember sleep training your kids back in the day when you'd, you'd put them in their room and try to get them used to sleeping in their own bed, and they would start crying, and they would start getting upset, and you would be tempted to just let them come sleep in the bed with you guys and just call it off. And, you know, maybe we should just kind of give in here. And that's what a lot of this sounds like to me. Well, I mean, come on, Shreve's not all bad. Yeah, sure, he's gone back on several basic things Republicans are supposed to believe in. But, like, come on, yeah, sure, he betrayed Republican voters after he won the primary. But, you know, come on. I mean, he's better than Hogsett. No. Here's why. Number one, he hasn't earned my vote. And yes, you do have the right to state that if they have not earned my vote, I'm not voting for them. That's your right. Your, your vote is your franchise as a citizen. 
Number two, I'm going to make this case. As long as we keep voting in people like Jefferson Shreve or like Sue Finkham or all of the other milk toast, garbage, lukewarm candidates who are not culturally conservative or who do not value liberty, the Indiana GOP and the Marion County GOP and other Indiana GOP establishment groups will keep regurgitating these garbage candidates and keep endorsing them. Don't let Shreve win. I don't. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. I'm just, just be honest. You don't know what Shreve's principles are. He doesn't. He flips on them every three weeks. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's where I was going. You have to send a message to the Indiana Republicans. This is not acceptable anymore. And I'm going to be honest. You you know what would actually make me endorse Shreve? A press conference where he comes out and he says, look, I've said things that I thought the Indianapolis people wanted that they clearly don't. I believed in these principles my entire life. I backed away from them because of some bad advice. I am going back on those and I am reaffirming my commitment to the Second Amendment. And I am recommitting my uh, opinion to enforce the laws of the state regarding abortion with the IMPD. If he said that, I would consider it. That would be the easiest way for him to come out and actually have a chance in this election. As of right now, nope, he's a coward. And I'm not going to tell you to vote for a coward. And Ken's email to me, I think he answers his own question. He says, quote, I agree that the Republicans really suck at campaigning and they are pathetic at helping their constituents. Full stop right there. That is exactly why a message has to be sent. Nobody's been tougher on Boss Hawk set than I am, mm-hmm. but I'm not voting for Jefferson Shreve either. And that doesn't mean I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. If my options are a giant douche and a turd sandwich, I choose none of the above. It doesn't make you somebody that's flip floppy or something like that. No, you have to send a message. These anti-gun, anti-conservative Republicans that somebody has said there's a place for is not the answer. Again, when you have people that their policy decisions are governed by some political analyst advisor out of Chicago or Washington or wherever, that means that they are substituting going and talking to constituents for the cold data that they can pay for and just kind of uh, just kind of shortcut their way to an electoral victory. That is not the same thing as a candidate who's serving your community. That is someone who has money and is running so that they can put mayor of whoever caresville on their resume. Again, I'm reading this quote. I agree the Republicans really suck at campaigning and they're pathetic at helping their constituents. But that's not what this is, though. But but the thing is, is Ken and I'm not trying to beat up on Ken because he listens to this program and I appreciate every single person that listens to this program. Absolutely. Ken's kind of coming off as the guy that has the girlfriend that cheats on him constantly and yet still keeps going back. Like, at what point is enough Enough. I tell you this, if you keep the, the, and people act like if Hogsett wins another election, that the city of Indianapolis is going to be leveled in a nuclear holocaust in the next three years. That's just not the case. I'm sorry. That's fear mongering. I don't want Hogsett to be mayor, but I'll tell you what is more damaging. He doesn't deserve to be the mayor. No, he doesn't. But I will, I'll make this very clear. If you elect Jefferson Shreve to that office, you will be guaranteed milk toast garbage Republicans for the seat in this city from now until the end of time, because once he's in office, they've proven that the only way to win Indianapolis is if you put heaping garbage on the Republican ticket. Right. Bingo. You have to send a message. Have some standards. My God. And I thought the colleges and universities around this state were sending better political science products 
to the Indiana GOP. Every year, how many political science graduates graduates come in and who is listening to this anti-gun, anti-conservative garbage? Whoever is listening to these people, your problem, the advice you're getting is bad. Because I've said from the beginning, I don't really think Jefferson Shreve is a bad guy. I really don't. I could probably have a beer with this guy, watch a ball game, even though we have nothing in common. He's listening to dumb, idiotic people. I'll venture my way into a little bit of a pseudo arrogant and self-centered comment. If you will, if you allow me just to, to be self-centered for a second to those 20 something political science individuals that are currently working on, on some kind of a campaign like Shreve's, you and I are very different. I don't have a political science degree. I don't have a going and campaigning for the establishment degree. When I worked for governor Walker, I didn't go to the political functions. I was out doing my job and you know what? The candidates that I endorse, they win elections and their constituents are very proud of them. The candidates that you endorse, that you're working for, are currently so down in the polls that they're a laughing stock when I go into D.C. to check in with my superiors. So, scoreboard, my candidates win elections, and they don't disappoint their constituents. Your candidates have a new scandal every other week because they don't even know what they stand for. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tony Kenneth filling in for Big Nige. I know you've been very upset that the uh, late night shows were off for a long period of time, Tony. You couldn't get your nightly Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel fix. That writer strike. How am I going to live without some non-gender binary nerd from Hollywood telling me what I find funny? (laughs) Well, the good news is you can sleep easy. A lot of the late night shows have come back. And last night, Stephen Colbert... He brought out the big guns. He had a guest that people were rushing home from their second shift job to watch. If you had to work third shift, you had to set the DVR. This was a must watch. John Fetterman was on. You all should need to know that America is not sending their best and brightest, you know, to Washington, (laughs) D.C. Yes. Like sometimes, sometimes you literally just can't believe. Like you know, these people are making the decisions that are, you know, determining the the government here. It's 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 actually scary. Am I being punked? Like, I, is, dude, I'm I'm waiting for the the punchline. Ashton Kutcher gonna pop out and say I've been punked or whatever the hell that show was. He's got to be joking, right? Somebody bet him to say that because that's what everybody says about John Fetterman. Right. I, again, I'm. First of all, that's just the most awkward joke of all time. Like it's like Jerry Seinfeld going, "Hey, what about airline food?" Like it's like, okay, well, we we've heard that one. That's a, a pretty of solid times. Seinfeld, by the Thanks, way. Thanks, I appreciate that. So I, again, I'm I'm kind of wondering when Fetterman is. Yeah, we know people don't like Congress, but dude, have you looked in the mirror? Literally, like the handlebar mustache and like the old worker like Walmart shirt and the shorts. Like you're a senator and you look like you've just told me you found a dead cat in my air conditioner. So since John Fetterman clearly believes he's among the bright ones ah, in yes. the Senate, mm. not everybody's up to his level. That's true. We've put together a little montage of the academic brilliance of Senator Fetterman. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. 
at $74 million, you know, collectively earning that, you know, how many yachts can they need, you know, to, to, to water uh, ski behind it? I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, would, would just um, really like to, you know, the 95, 95, 95. You know, um, <laughs> you know, obviously, the, you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with, the, with 95. What qualifies <laughs> you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Not everybody <laughs> can live up to the high <laughs> academic standards of John Fetterman. And don't bring me that crap. You're making fun of a stroke victim. That stroke victim is in charge of my well-being. He's in charge of my health care, my social security. He votes on what happens at the border. I'm sorry he had a stroke. I wish more people cared for the guy, unlike his horrible witch of a wife or something that rhymes with it, who doesn't care if he lives or dies. But stop with the stop making fun of a stroke victim. That stroke victim is costing me money because the voters in Pennsylvania put that moron through. I can't get over the fact that he got up there and said, you want to be 95, 95, 95. It reminds me of, uh, you want to be uh, 36, 24, 36? <laughs> Only if she's 5'3". <laughs> Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal filling in for Nigel. So we're about 30 minutes away, maybe about 25 from a scheduled rally on Monument Circle now, this was marketed as a resistance rally. This was a pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas, Black Lives Matter-backed rally, Tony. Now, you're seeing the same thing I am, though, right? There's a true. large contingent of pro-Israel people, and they're outnumbering the pro-Palestinians right now. And it's something that you love to see. Again, I've said before, Indiana is the home of a lot of evangelicals who are very pro-Israeli. Again, a lot of people, even from the corporate Democrat side of the aisle, have sided with Israel in this. It's very hard not to once you've seen the footage uh, that, that I, I, I'll, I'll break down if I, if I go too much into it, just in, in all seriousness. But again, this is I've heard, you know, this is just a pro-Palestine rally. No, it is not. It was broadcast by Indy BLM as a pro-resistance rally. It is advertising and endorsing the violence that took place that slaughtered women and children. And we're going to get to John Herrick of our newsroom. He is covering this event. We're going to get with him at about 548-ish. He's going to be out there embedded. But I do see a number of law enforcement officers, and we've got the law enforcement officer in our studio right now, superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Hammer. Thanks for having me. You were part of a press conference earlier today in regards to reform of the criminal justice system in Marion County specifically, something that's near and dear to our heart, something we've been talking about for a long time. So for those who missed the press conference, take us through it. It was simply about acknowledging that what we're currently doing is not working. It's a it's a failed system without any one individual to, that that's responsible. And I think if, if we all, if, if anybody agrees with things the way they currently are in regards to their safety and security, they're, you know, they're, they're living under a rock. 
And if 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 they do want to see see changes and, and some differences, then we got to get to the table. One of the most important things I've done in my entire career. So I hear you. And the first question I have is, how is this done? Because I feel like a lot of the problems in Marion County, it's Republicans and Democrats. It's not just one side here. It could be a Democratic prosecutor. It could be a Republican judge. How does somebody like me or somebody listening in our audience right now help you to make this a better place? Gentle pressure relentlessly applied. Over time, I mean, this is, and I told everybody today at the press conference, Hammer, that this will not be successful unless unless every single piece of the system participates. Nobody can say everything's fine. I'm not going to do anything. Everything in my world's fine. I don't want to change anything. I don't want to change the bond structure because that's the way it's always been, or the bond matrix. That's the way it's always been. That's the worst answer we could probably probably give to the citizens of this of this city. Remember. Indiana, Indianapolis is really the heartbeat of Indiana. So people often will say, well, why are you so involved in Marion County? Well, we're involved in Marion County because we have a large presence here, whether it be with gun crimes, whether it be with partnering with IMPD on a number of different things, special operations, that list can go on and on and on. But what's happening here now is, has, has, has perforated Indiana. And if it hasn't actually struck a county... The perception is that there's a the perception is that they're unsafe. That's the reality. And if that's the reality to people, we need to talk about it. And we're hearing from prosecutors in the donut counties, the surrounding counties that say, yes, we're seeing an uptick in crime and they're coming from Indianapolis. Uh, Rick Snyder, president of the Fraternal Order of Police, comes on our program all the time. And he's been saying for years, this is an indie problem, but it's coming to a neighborhood near you. So with that being said, can you get some of the folks that might disagree on a number of things in the same room? Can you get, you know, Judge Jennifer Harrison or Ryan Mears? Can you get them all in the same room and say, all right, let's act like adults here. How can we fix this? If I don't try, I failed. So that, that that's my charge. That's really my charge. People can dislike me. They can, they can disagree with what I'm doing. They can come after me, whatever they want to do. But my, my one of the, again, one of the most important things I've done in my career is this, because this has an effect on every single citizen in Indiana. These homicide victims in Indianapolis are people, but nobody wants to talk about who they are. Right. And it's uh, at an alarming rate. 200 homicides has become the norm in yeah. this city, something we feared would happen after the first couple of years of 200 plus homicides. You know, Hammer, you, you, any one of the major networks that you watch at 10 or 11 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, doesn't matter. The first 10, 12, 14 minutes are all about violence. At what point do we, do, we, do we become hardened to it and cold, or do we say enough? And from my perspective, I say enough when I've got a platform to say enough. And right now I have that. And I, I, am, going to, I, I, I am going to challenge um, the, 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 the leaders to come to the table. Maybe the answer is what we, what we want to do, we can't. Maybe the answer is what we're doing is working with some minor tweaks. Maybe what we say is we throw everything out that we're currently doing and start over. That's what I would prefer. Have you got a response from any of these leaders? That's the question that I'm looking for, yeah. because I want to I want to hear what these leaders who claim to be so in touch with their communities, who, give, who are so passionate about uh, Indiana's you know tourism branding and Indianapolis one way street maneuvers. I want to hear what they have to say in their busy schedules to a to an overhaul suggestion like this. Well, I've not had a meaningful conversation with anyone up to this point since the 29th of September. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. You're the state superintendent of police. 
I'm, I'm, I'm correct. Yes I've, yes, I've got the designation correct. You haven't had a meaningful conversation with anyone about this since the end of September. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks because there was a lot of back and forth um, with, with some local groups, specifically the Indianapolis Bar, about my initial comments. And I think everybody that's public. Right. Everybody knows that. There was a letter written uh, associated with my comments. And um, I, I decided to let, let some of this calm down. So some of the distance, Tony, is, is on me. Because what I'm not going to try and continue to do is, is continue to respond out of emotion. I'd much rather this had calmed down a bit. This is a decades-old problem, and I said earlier today, it's not any one person's responsibility, but it's all of ours. If you'll, if you'll give me for, for a little bit of the pushback here, I think that it, responding out of emotion in at least a small market way is important, given that, again, you have to deal with the, the individuals, the families who are, who are yeah. victims of these right. ruthless right. homicides. I mean, you brought up a really good point. I can't tell you the last time I turned on the news and the first segment wasn't, this person shot at 38th and this, you know. We've got, got a camera crew going to the latest homicide. Every Absolutely. Night. You know, and Every it's, night. it's the, the news reporter reporting from this house and that house. And it's not just in Indianapolis and anymore. It's in Muncie. It's in Anderson. It's in the donut counties. It's in the surrounding areas, uh, in, in the outer donut, even beyond that. And I understand, you know, we want to make sure that we give off this officious look. I know Todd Rakita was in trouble. Oh, you shouldn't be emotional. You should just be the stalwart block of wax who never, ever sheds a tear over the... Are you not supposed to care about the state that you're serving? Should you not care about the policy proposals that you're bringing forward? Especially when your officers have yeah. to be involved in a lot of the stuff. I mean, God, they're shooting back at your officers. Well, and I, I addressed that today with the violence in the city. There was a, some criticism uh, from the Indianapolis Star recently about oh, there's the number a surprise. of police actions. Another police, number of police action shootings. Well, part of that is because we have a laser focus on the worst of the worst offenders that are creating this havoc in local communities. Wouldn't you expect us to go after them? Because we expect them to exhibit tremendous violence towards us, and they do. You know, I don't think the victim is is all too concerned about how, you know, oh, well, you know, did was this a repeat, whatever. I mean, the person who's getting shot is more concerned with the fact that there's a hole that is in them that they have to go to the hospital for, that the families of that victim. I, again, the, when it comes to the star's criticisms, you say take things with a grain of salt. We're going to need to come up with a new phrase to talk about something that's even far more worthless. We're chatting with Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter. Uh, had a press conference today addressing an overhaul of the criminal justice system, specifically here in central Indiana. So where do we go from here? You've had at your press conference, uh, the FOP president, you know, he's pretty outspoken. He's been on this program. Where do we go from here? What's well, next? Before I answer that question, Hammer, what I want to do is, is talk about the, the perpetual review of law enforcement. We welcome that. We learned a lot after May 20th of 2020, and we, we owned a lot of that. We owned that. Some of that criticism was righteous, and it caused us to be perpetually reviewed and scrutinized and then reviewed again by people who have no idea what it's like to, to, to exhibit or receive in tr tremendous violence. We're at a point now we welcome that. I want the rest of the system to feel the same way. Be as transparent as you expect us to be. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, and is. this goes for judges. This goes for prosecuting attorneys, county prosecutors, the whole nine. Well, and, and you know, like I said earlier today, um, absolute immunity is different than qualified immunity. And prosecutors and judges have absolute immunity. They, 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 they cannot be held accountable or responsible for the choices that they make. I don't pretend to understand them. I'm not the smartest guy. They're lawyers. I'm not. But um, but. There's this perpetual need to be transparent. Right. And we accept that. 
Why don't they? So is this a conversation wow. you feel like you need to have with a lawmaker or maybe the attorney general, possibly the governor, for a little bit more oversight of some of the folks that, let's be honest, are responsible for either sweetheart deals or getting violent offenders right back out on the street. Or at the very least, negligence that results in those situations. Right. Hammer, if we can, and Tony, if we can get to the point where we can come to the table and have these rational, reasonable discussions, uh, I think there could be some legislative ideas that, that might work. Do you but think that until, these discussions need to be transparent so there can't just be, in my experience, you get you, a lot of doors close and then the sausage gets made and it's, well, of course I agree with you, but I can't get out in the public and say that. And again, I've, I've heard that well, that's from several why I'm state getting really un, That's why I'm getting uncomfortable here. You know, and I, I'm good with that. I, I am. I'm good with that. But this is a bit of an uncomfortable place to be. I've been in this business almost 40 years. And I've been I've been working in these systems in this in central Indiana my my gosh my entire career right somebody's got to step up and say it right somebody's got to be able to do that and somebody that with some authority because well, it can't and, just be the radio well, well the that, Indiana but, bar is going to complain you can't have a state officer saying things that's <laughs> just not good decorum well we all have to get uncomfortable here and we all have to recognize that what's currently happening is not working and if we want to give this to our kids then fine keep doing what we're doing I don't want to do that. I do not want to give this to the next generation of young police officers, troopers, deputies, whoever, um, because this is something that my generation has created. And I feel very strongly about that. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm sick and tired of different places that I used to enjoy going to as a kid now becoming areas you have to tell people to go carefully through and not go to at certain times of the night because of the policies this state All enjoys. All people want in every community in Indianapolis and in Indiana is to feel safe in their homes and safe in their communities. That's our charge. That is the... That is what we should be doing is not about ourselves. Right. So last question here before we let you go. Um, I asked it earlier, but I'm not sure if we got an answer. What do you want to see happen next? Is there someone you need to speak with? Uh, are there steps in this process? What happens next? Yeah, th- there's been some 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 requests for me to meet meet uh, with some of the local judges. And I fully intend to do that. And I appreciate that invite. Um but again, um, if, if there's any, any expectation that I'm going to be silenced about my criticism, I'm not. And maybe I can, maybe we collectively can cause some type of positive thing to occur. We've still not recovered since 2020. We all know that. Some don't want to say it, but it's the truth. And now's our time. Now, now is our time. Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter, as always, thank you for your time. God bless you. God bless your officers that are out there doing the work. And we appreciate you coming by the Hammer and Nigel Show. Pleasure. Good to be with you. Thanks, sir. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Just about seven, eight minutes away from the scheduled start of this protest rally on Monument Circle. But, Tony Kennett, what do you see right now? Because I don't see too many pro-Palestinian folks. 
I see a big turnout from the pro-Israel folks. I see a huge group of individuals right below the monument uh, carrying Israeli flags draped over their shoulders, holding banners, carrying American flags. We're going to be tweeting out a photo of this in just a second. You can follow me over on Twitter at The Tonus. Obviously, make sure you're following at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter slash X. It's a huge group of pro-Israeli people. And to that, I say good. Good. It should be. You shouldn't be out here marching around the circle, parading the the joy of of beheaded children and and the the joy that Hamas has openly said from their own accounts at the rapes that they've committed, that the surprise attack over the Jewish holiday, where crowds of people in Australia, crowds of people in the Sydney Opera House in New York and California have cheered and saying, gas the Jews and kill the Jews. I'm damn proud that Indianapolis is not a city that's doing that right now. So far. And unless... You know, there's a meeting place for the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian people, and they're going to walk over later. Right now, the number of police officers outnumber those who are supposed to be here for the, quote, day of resistance. Now, I'm told that Abdul was in here a little bit ago and he mentioned that they were meeting down by the canal or at least appeared to be that pro-Hamas group and they might be coming here. We're going to be keeping an eye on this situation. Make sure you stay tuned either in the live stream or on the air, on the radio. Make sure that you're staying with us because we're going to keep a bird's eye view coverage of what we pray does not develop into a, a kind of a testy, mostly peaceful situation. Mostly peaceful being the key word a lot of police down there and everything's going fine right now but i would imagine there's going to be more folks from the other side coming relatively soon so we'll keep you up to date now keep in mind these types of events have been happening all over the country there was one in milwaukee last night the high profile one in new york these have all been isolated local kind of things usually backed by the local blm groups but tomorrow the leader of hamas is calling for a global day of jihad a global day of jihad now you might laugh or roll your eyes but keep in mind southern border is wide open and it has been wide open for a long time so if somebody has gotten across that wishes to harm you your children your wife whatever the case may be the real reality is tony they've probably been here for a while hell they're just looking for something to motivate them and again this is this is the thing how many times do they have to from their own accounts from their own interviews on tv say we're not just looking for a two-state solution we want to kill all of the jews and we want everyone around the entire world to have a global day of jihad where they kill as many jews and christians as possible and americans those are the three groups jews christians and americans and how many times do they have to tell you that before you believe them? This isn't fear mongering. This isn't me telling you to, to go out and, and, and attack anyone Islamic. Absolutely not. The case in point is that pro Hamas individuals have expressed their glee over violence and hope that it happens to you overtly, objectively, bar none. And the thing is, the leaders of Hamas have been spreading this message via YouTube, YouTube and social media. Now, I'm old enough to remember that when doctors in Florida got together to have an honest conversation about COVID and vaccines and masks, YouTube took it down. But yet when the leader of Hamas calls for a global day of jihad, that's perfectly fine. And YouTube allows that. So, again, I'm not telling you to be scared. Don't be scared. Live your life. But kind of keep that head on a swivel 
between now and sometime tomorrow. Carry. Carry. Carry responsibly. As a matter of fact, here's a, a statement from uh, every single gun owner in America. Definitely concerns me a little bit, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I packed that thing, too. So, you come around this way, you will get caught. <laughs> That's a statement from every single gun owner in America in regards to the global day of jihad. All right. So, again, our news director, John Herrick, he's going to go down, get in the mix here in just a little bit. Right now, it's kind of a nothing burger, but we're waiting on more members of the other side to arrive. A lot of pro-Israel people out right now. American flags and Israeli flags flying down there. Didn't expect that turnout but from the my, pro-Israelis. A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. But from what we've been told, folks on the other side may be coming soon, and we will keep you up to date. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Amber and Nigel go off the rails with rock noise pollution. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. And again, we're keeping our eye on the little rally protest deal happening on Monument Circle for pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, Black Lives Matter out on the circle. Uh, We're going to check in with John Herrick. He's out there covering it live here in just a moment. But first, off the rails with Rob Kendall. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. We're doing this on the phone today because I had my physical for work and hammer. I have perfect blood pressure. Perfect blood pressure. So your blood pressure is not off the rails. No, it's wonderful. And I've long maintained this. People are always like, you're going to have a stroke. You're going to have a heart attack. I get it all out of my system, Hammer. When I am off work, (laughs) I am calm because I have nothing left to give to society. Your show isn't, you know, a broadcast. It's a therapy session for you. That's what it is. Exactly. People say this all the time. You know, we've laughed about this before, about how calm I am in person. It's because I have nothing left to give. (laughs) All right. So, Rob, let's get into uh, what's happening. Obviously, the biggest story in the world is the war in Israel. We've got action out here on Monument Circle. We're seeing these protests all over the United States. The pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas folks supported by BLM. And tomorrow, the leader of Hamas has called for a worldwide day of jihad. And I don't know about you, Rob, but nothing says we really just want a peaceful two-state solution like calling for a worldwide day of jihad. You remember this was years ago when you guys first started the afternoon show there was some equal justice or economic justice protest on the circle and you guys sent me out there with a hammer and nigel or fake news sign to hold up during the, <laughs> the protest. That's, yeah you guys need to send kevin or allison out there tomorrow with a hammer and nigel or fake news uh, sign in the middle of whatever world jihad day protest is taking place man i mean these people are they're sick people and this is the problem the Democrats have right now is the college campus radicals, the BLM people, the squad people, they are the base of the Democrat Party. So you can't just reject it because the money, the activism, a whole bunch of it comes from these people who believe Israel should be annihilated. 
And what's somewhat entertaining to me is you've got folks in the media like Jake Tapper at CNN, Dan Abrams over at News Nation. They're calling out some of this ridiculous anti-Semitic rhetoric that they're hearing from some of these squad members, some of these Democrats, but they're almost acting like it's new. Yeah. Well, again, this is the this is the needle now that they have to thread because they have to say the quiet part out loud, which is that there's a huge portion. We're not talking fringe members. We're talking about the core of the Democrat constituency who believes this stuff. They believe Israel is evil. They believe Israel is the problem. They believe Hamas are, you know, equivalent to the George Washington and, you know, uh, Lafayette fighting at the revolution, right? I mean, they they believe that Hamas is the good guy. Obviously, the public at large and any person with any amount of decency rejects that. But how do you thread that needle? And while we want to laugh at some of this ridiculous stuff, a worldwide day of jihad, I don't know if you can necessarily do that, Rob, because our president has opened up the border to where anybody that wants to hurt you, your wife, or your children can basically walk right across. Like in the past, we would kind of roll our eyes, but now you almost kind of have to keep your head on a swivel, don't you? Well, my wife and I had this conversation because she was very young when the 9-11 stuff happened. And then, the, you know, remember every day after that for like four years, it was, it's a red alert. The alert is yellow today. And finally, people were just like, dude, clearly you're just doing this for votes, Mr. Bush. We're no longer taking this seriously. But you're right, Hammer. You have over two million people who have illegally entered the country. Most of them, we have no idea who they are or where they're at. So, yeah, you do have to be super vigilant. Now, does it mean you change your way of life? Does it mean you hide in your house? No, but there are a lot of evil people who are legally in this country who want to kill Americans. There's no doubt about it. And you know who's really quiet right now? The anti-gun people, right? It's real easy to say guns are bad, guns are the devil. I mean, hell, we've got two mayor candidates here in Indy saying the same thing. But you don't hear that as of as much as you used to right now, because I think clearly what you see happening in Israel, where the attack that Hamas did is something I think that could happen in the United States. They basically came through a wall, which, you know, we can have that debate about the border. They paraglided in, and it was a guerrilla-style attack on very soft targets. People at a concert, young children, women. That could happen in the United States, and this is why people have the Second Amendment. Yeah, and it, it puts in perspective how ridiculous that gun proposal from Jefferson Tree was and why we were we were so critical of it. And again, you're right, Hammer. That's the depressing thing about the mayor's race here is you have no good guy in this equation. There is nobody you can feel you know excited about voting for. And this is why you know nobody's more critical of Indiana Republicans than me. But constitutional carry, which they passed, was a very good thing because people should have the right to defend themselves. Because crazy bastards will always find a way to be crazy bastards. They don't follow the law. But you can't tell me that law-abiding citizens are the problem in Indianapolis. 
Well, and that's where the pandering comes in, right? And this is why we've been so critical of Jefferson Shreve. People say, well, you're so mean to the Republican. How about the Democrat? We're plenty mean to boss hogs that. But we know what he is. We know what he represents. We know the problems that come with him being in public office. But with Shreve, you're part of the party that claims to support the Second Amendment. You're the part of the party that claims to be better. And it's another example of a Republican being disingenuous and essentially lying to the voters, which is what Shreve's doing with his gun plan, in order to try to get votes. I mean, you look at this mayor's race in Indianapolis. This is the equivalent of that McCain v. Obama presidential <laughs> election, isn't it? Like, where you just go to the ballot box and you're like, do I have to vote for any of these guys? Well, that's where, and you know, we talked about this for a long time. I leave most of my ballot blank every single time. A lot of times I'll only vote for one or two offices because votes are earned. And, you know, I think you're taking that approach this year, which is that vote, your vote for mayor has not been earned and you can't just give it away. This is why you keep getting crappy candidates inside the Marion County GOP because they think people, well, they'll vote for us no matter what. Right. Uh, we really won't. We really won't. And I'm done with it. And I'm glad you're done with it now, too. Right. Because, you know, I get a lot of crap from people while well, you talk like you want Joe Hogsett to win. Listen, nobody hates Joe Hogsett more than I do. I was ripping on that loser before it was cool. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not giving Jefferson Shreve my vote because you have to send a message to the Marion County Republicans, to the state of Indiana Republicans, that we're not going to take these wishy-washy Eric Holcomb, Jefferson Shreve type Republicans that want to pander just to get authority and then ultimately give us a middle finger. Well, and this is where, and we, you know, we talk about disingenuous. I mean, this is a big game, right? The politics is a big game, and you're not a part of the equation. Look at what the Indy Chamber has done. They've come out and endorsed Hogsett. This is the guy that allowed the, the center of economic commerce in the state, downtown Indianapolis, to be rioted, looted, burned to the ground, smashed, people died, monuments defaced, you name it. And he was, in many ways, on the side of the people who did this to business owners in downtown Indianapolis. And the Indy Chamber comes out and says, well, we think it'd be good for Hogsett to get four more years. They're doing that because the Indy Chamber has economic ties to the mayor's office. They have economic ties to the city of Indianapolis government. And they're going to back whoever they think is most likely to win because they want the dollars to keep flowing. Very, few, You know who's on your side, Hammer? Hammer and I are on your side. The WIBC air staff is on your side. <laughs> the majority of these people, whether it's Indy Chamber or these special interest groups, they don't care about you at all. And these politicians certainly don't care about you at all. Imagine saying you support the guy that allowed businesses to have bricks thrown through their window, ATMs taken out of the lobby, fire set, two people died during that weekend of rioting. And imagine looking at somebody with a straight face going, yeah, that's our guy. Well, you know, I, I've, I've been dealing with these Chamber of Commerce for years, even back when I was an elected official. And I, one of the things I most proudly did when I was an elected official was pulled the money from our local Chamber of Commerce public money because they weren't doing anything. These Chamber of Commerce, not all of them, but a lot of them, are glorified social clubs. It's a chance for a bunch of elitists who guys is representing the business community and the business community interests to just sit around. And in the case of the Indy Chamber, they get public money to facilitate what they're doing. These chambers, a lot of them do 
do not actually represent the business community. And you, I mean, this is just the best example. No one has been worse for business than Joe Hogsett. And the Indy Chamber says, let's sign up for four more years of that. What's coming up on the big show tomorrow? Well, it looks like Steve Scalise is uh, maybe donezo, so that makes me happy because anybody Kevin McCarthy liked, I dislike and don't want to be your leadership. So the speaker saga continues, and, uh, of course, I'll be very excited uh, throughout the rest of the uh, evening to listen to the Hammer and Nigel reporting of the Good Time Fun Gang down there on Monument Circle. Special thanks to... Garage Stores of Indianapolis. You're the best, Hammer. Thank you. That's Rob Kendall. He's off the rails. We will check in with John Herrick on Monument Circle next. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Right now, let's go to the hot. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Line, our news director, John Herrick. He is out on Monument Circle. John, what do you see? Well, Hammer, uh, we start off, uh, you mentioned this before, a lot of uh, Israel protesters showed up, uh, and so did Palestine protesters. And the leader of each group met the police on the steps of the soldiers, uh, soldiers monument, and basically said, they came to an agreement, and they said, look, whoever has more people here are going to be on the steps. Well, at the time, that was the Israel folks. Since then, a lot more Palestine folks have showed up. Uh, but they they seem to have agreed with the police on a on understanding that this is going to be peaceful and and both parties are going to stay in their designated area and there are a lot of representatives of IMPD and state police out there on Monument Circle to ensure uh, safety at the time. All right, John, we're going to let you go for now, and we'd like to touch base with you again after six. Our connection isn't the greatest right now, but you go back to doing what you're doing, and uh, Tony Kennett, you and I each walked down there. And I was surprised. I did not expect all of the support from Israel to show up. Uh, I just spoke with uh, uh, several supporters, actually walked up the Monument Circle steps to talk with a few individuals. Uh, Very passionate show out from uh, a lot of Indiana individuals, both a lot of Jews and a lot of Gentiles out there. Um, that are very expressly uh, cheering on um, Israel and America's relationship with it. They're mourning the atrocities. The signs that they're carrying are also calling for the return of the American hostages. So a lot of light has been shed on the fact that Hamas still holds American hostages, that they've also uh, killed um, over a dozen Americans. It's, it's, It's quite something. So if I had to guess, just looking at the crowd, I'm saying anywhere from... 60 to 75 pro-Israel people on the steps of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument. And for a while, we didn't see any of the Palestine folks. But on the rim uh, beneath Monument Circle in front of the shops, I'd estimate there's about 150. Okay. Okay. Now, as for the pro-Hamas, pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-Palestine folks... They're each down there doing some chanting. It seems like they do have a numbers advantage. And Palestine is currently chanting. The Palestine crew is currently chanting from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. That is an ethnic cleansing chant, uh, which is was literally created and has been reaffirmed by Hamas leaders as being a chant that means Jews will be ethnically cleansed from the region. So this is not a pro-Palestine protest. This is a pro-Hamas protest. And that is what they are saying with their chants. I've seen Nazi salutes. Try to get a few pictures. I'm getting ready to upload footage. Um, it's it's certainly something to see this. And I took some f- video footage as well. You can see that right now on the Hammer and Nigel show, Facebook and Twitter 
at Hammer and Nigel. Just kind of a bird's eye look from the balcony here at the radio station. You'll see the uh, pro-Israel people, and then on the other side, the pro-Palestine people. And it's getting pretty loud out of the circle. But so far, everything is peaceful. Everything is good. There's a lot of police officers down there making sure everything is going off without a hitch. Everybody can yell. Everybody can chant. But right now, everything is peaceful. We will check in with John Herrick again coming up just a little bit after 6 after the news. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock We have got a little action out on Monument Circle. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. And today was the day that we knew there was going to be a protest on Monument Circle. It was being dubbed the resistance protest, the pro-Palestinian Hamas Black Lives Matter supported protests. But we've also got a lot of pro-Israel protesters on Monument Circle. Let's go to the hotline and bring in our news director, John Herrick. John, what are you saying? Well, uh, Hammer, right after you mentioned that, uh, there were a few people that showed up uh, with American flags to stand on the side of Israel to support them. Uh, They continue to chant Hamas is ISIS, although a lot more uh, pro-Palestinian people continue to show up uh, right in front of the old National Bank and the Indianapolis Business Journal building. And the police uh, have moved their presence over there because as they keep growing, they kind of keep moving out into the street. So the police are trying to say, hey, let's back up. Let's keep this civil. They continue to um, say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And then basically the other side counters with Hamas is ISIS. That's been kind of what's going on here for the last few minutes. And to be the eyes for our audience here, the pro-Israel people, they're up on the steps of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument. Where are the pro-Palestinian people? Uh, so they're kind of um, a little bit adjacent to them diagonally and in, in, in the area by the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and the old National Bank. They were on the sidewalk, and now they're showing up with Palestinian flags uh, and moving kind of out onto the street. The police are keeping them at bay, making sure that everything stays civil. At the beginning of all of this, a representative from the Israel group and a representative from the Palestinian group met with the police on the steps of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument to discuss this and basically came to an agreement that the Israeli people would be on the steps and that uh, the Palestinian folks would be over on the sidewalk, and that is where uh, they could stay to to chant their respective sayings uh, peacefully. So the the police have upped their presence, but there are more and more Palestinian people coming in uh, as we speak. So, John, there there are two things, because I was down there just a little bit ago, but I obviously had to hop back up to head on air. Uh, And and two questions that I want to ask that I'm getting from a lot of people, and and just confirmation, if you've seen any of this, let me know. If not, uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for. On the pro-Palestinian Palestinian side, have you seen anything, any other flags other than the, I saw Palestinian flags and I saw American flags. Have you seen any other kind of flags being flown in that crowd? 
Uh, no, I'm just seeing those, and the rest of it is just signs that say uh, free Palestine, Palestine will be free. There is one American flag on the Palestine side, but uh, all the other American flags are on the Israeli side uh, at this point, so uh, as they begin ch- chanting again. And is, is it true that there are a lot of the, the Palestinian protesters are, are masked and, and, and wearing uh, like a lot of facial coverings as, as well? Again, these are just questions that I've received from, from individuals that are tuned into the live stream. Yes, there, there are a few that have showed up in facial coverings. Some of them have taken them off. Others have chosen to keep them on. Uh, there was uh, a man that showed up with a suitcase earlier, but he's not here, although police uh, did go over to try to take a look at him. Um, I don't think they ruled that anything uh, suspicious happened with him. Okay, he's walking away now. He's walking away. But police, anytime a guy shows up to something like this with a suitcase, you know that's going to get the police's attention. Absolutely. Um, so he's walking away. He's at Qdoba. He keeps going, which um, so I, I don't think he'll be a factor anymore. But I know that was one thing the police were concerned about. We're chatting with John Herrick. He is the news director here at 93 WIBC. He is down on Monument Circle for the big protest. So, John, at any point, has anything been close to getting out of hand? Was there any trash talk or has this been totally peaceful so far? Uh, it's been it's been totally peaceful so far, but I will say as uh, this whole thing has gone on and as more Palestinian folks show up, they kind of keep trying to move out onto the street and see what they how close they can get. And the police have to continue to keep them at bay. They're obviously uh, well armed. They have their uh, Rangers out here, their Polaris Ranger ATV vehicles, and uh, they're, they're they're definitely armed. And they police have to keep reminding them to to back up, which is, it's not surprising that they have now the bigger crowd considering they called this uh but they keep trying to keep trying to move out a little bit police have to keep telling them to come back now tell me a little bit about this police presence john because i went down there a little bit earlier um i saw the protesters i saw the chanting and i saw a lot of law enforcement what are you seeing as you are right there in the middle of all this yeah, I've, I've talked to a couple of uh, IMPD officers, and it's mainly uh, IMPD, but they do have uh, some state police uh, representatives out here as well. Uh, ironically enough, Hammer, uh, the superintendent, Doug Carter, uh, after his interview with you guys, came right down uh, to the circle to uh, make sure that everything was okay. And um, some other uh, folks that he works with with state police are, are with him, trying to make sure that the area is secured. Uh, and not just on the side where there are protesters. They're walking around, and they've got cars uh, at all. Uh, sides uh, of the circle uh, to ensure safety for everybody. Do we have any idea of what time this is scheduled to wrap up? Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot. I I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know it was started at about 5.30. People were showing up a little bit before that. Um, uh, there's been no inkling or hint as to when this might wrap up. And um, they, 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 both these sides are very passionate about their beliefs, and I get the feeling it might last a while. The last question that I have for you here, uh, and I, I want to make sure I articulate this very clearly. Uh, obviously, if you haven't heard this, I mean, it's not happening, but I, I need to ask, do you hear any jeers being thrown out from either group or the other? Obviously, you know, when they're chanting free, free Palestine or uh, the pro-Israeli crowds chanting, it's hard to hear anything else with how loud it's getting. Have you seen a lot of jeers that are being thrown out from one crowd to the other i know there are a few stragglers on the edges that are shouting yeah not really not really shouting um i'm i am seeing a few signs that say uh israel uh the apartheid state 
Gaza under occupation. Um, there are a few Palestinian folks that just walked past me, and they are uh, getting rather animated with the Israeli people. But um, have, but they're just saying free Palestine. Uh, other other than that, I'm not hearing any specific. Uh, jeers or any foul language or anything like that excellent that's the kind of objective reporting i like to hear answering the questions right off the bat thank you very much sean no problem thank you that is our news director john herrick right there he is down on monument circle and the one thing that i do think is a little interesting here tony something maybe to keep an eye on is that the pro Palestinian crowd is growing. This event was scheduled to start at 530 mm-hmm. and for a long time the pro-Israeli crowd, which I gotta be honest, I didn't expect uh, was outnumbering the Palestinian crowd. And now it seems like there's a lot of late arrivals coming downtown, which is never good because if you remember the summer of love that's how things kind of got kick-started. There were peaceful protest downtown but then a lot of bad actors find out what's going on so they make their way downtown and next thing you know you're dealing with nonsense and this is the kind of nonsense that we really need to keep an eye on because again remember tomorrow and i'm again i'm not saying that people in the protesting crowd are at all affiliated with the comments that have been made from hamas however hamas has called for a worldwide day of violent jihad they've called for financial support of their terrorism they've called for a worldwide killing of Jews, Christians, and Americans, those three groups specifically. And uh, one individual that I spoke with down there on the the Israeli side says that it, Jews are usually told to lie low at times like this. He said, but I, he said, I believe he believes the opposite. He's like, if we don't get out and we don't make our voices heard, then then it's people speaking for the Jews instead of having, uh, instead of us getting to hear what the Jews have to say. I've posted some videos up on the Hammer and Nigel Show Facebook and Twitter. I've got aerial shots from our balcony. I walked down and got some ground level action uh, during the commercial breaks. So you can check that out. Tony Kennett, I know you're working on some video as well. Where can people find it? You can find it over at the Tonus on Twitter and the DailySignal.com.